what you have. You know, school starts up, you get your new notebooks, your binder, your little pencil pouch, your ruler, your protractor. But to these kids out in Kentucky, something like a new pencil is a blessing. Something like a pen that has any ink in it is unbelievable. Something like a pencil that doesn't have the eraser chewed off. Um, so you guys have all been and been donating to these bags and filling them up with supplies that although it might not seem like a lot to us, to them it means the world. And it's the kind of thing that they're gonna remember and later on down the road they're gonna say, you know what, when I was a kid and I had nothing, someone gave simple things to me, simple things that meant the world. Um, and maybe hopefully someday down the line they'll be in a position to give and it starts this cycle of, of giving and loving and I think that's what Jesus wanted us to do he wanted us to start a never-ending cycle of love and giving and so on the subject of giving we're going to have our ushers to come and do the offering um, I always thought at least to me growing up offering was kind of like a boring part of the service it's like, I don't want to sit through this. One, as a kid, I wasn't making money, so I wasn't giving. But, and then even when I started making money, I was like, I don't want to give 10% of my money. But the way I heard it was if someone offered to give me a million dollars, they said they have a million dollars on a table, and they said, I will give you all of this if you give me 100,000. So really, I'm giving you 900 grand. Am I going to say no? No. I'm going to say, yeah, take, take as much as you want. It's, it's money. And that's what God does for us. God gives us all of what we have and says, give me back a little bit so I can do my work. So this morning we have this awesome opportunity to give back some of what God has given us for our own benefit and for the benefit of those who are maybe less privileged or the benefit of those who will be impacted by this. So this morning, God, we just thank you so much for the resources that you so freely give us for the wonderful lives that we have, for all of the things, yes, the things that you give us. You're so giving and so good, and all you ask is a small 10% of what you've given us. So this morning, Lord, we humbly give back that small portion, knowing that in giving you 10%, you're giving us 90%. And so God, we bless you for what you give us, and Lord, we seek to bless you with what we give back. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Amen, amen. Give God a big hand clap of praise, guys, all over the house today. Yes, yes, yes. Turn to somebody and say, you know, you're not perfect. Come on, look at them and say, you're not perfect. <laughs> now look at them and say, I'm not perfect either. I've got my own issues. 
Tell them, say, we're not perfect, but we serve the one who is. If you believe that, put your 10-string instruments together today all over the house. So good to see you. Good to have you guys today worshiping with us. We love you. We appreciate you. And uh, thank you for what you're doing. We have been in a series around here uh, entitled, I Am Blessed. And so we're going to pick right up with that. Uh, I want to get you guys out of here within three hours so you can go cook a chicken leg or a steak or something like that. No, I'm messing with you. I do want you to be able to go out and enjoy your, uh, your afternoon. How many of you guys are enjoying summertime? Is everybody enjoying summer? Having a good time? Taking some vacation, I hope? Uh, relaxing? Enjoying life? And uh, it's summertime. That's what we're supposed to do. But, um, but, you know, we've been in this series for the past seven weeks, I think, now. And we're actually wrapping up this series next week. So you don't want to miss next week. Uh, we're going to be talking about being persecuted. And uh, that's a great way to end the series. But, uh, but you want to be a part of that. And then after that, we've got a brand new series starting up called Faves. And it's basically where we basically, uh, as preachers, we preach our favorite message ever. And so it's going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing. You guys want to come and be a part of that. But in this series, Jesus is actually teaching the first sermon in the New Testament, uh, a sermon on the mount, a sermon that is actually called the Beatitudes. And Jesus is actually introducing a new covenant to us in the Beatitudes. And one of the things that is important for you to remember is that the last word of the last sentence of the last chapter in the Old Testament is the word cursed. The first word of the first sentence of the first sermon in the New Testament is blessed. So you understand Jesus is introducing this new covenant to us, and it is a covenant of blessing. And so anything that the Christian life is all about is blessed. And so if you haven't found that blessed life yet, then that may mean that you haven't submitted that part of your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus came to bring us a blessing, and that blessing is not dependent upon external circumstances. So you understand that for you to say, I'm blessed, it doesn't mean that everything has to be going your way. It doesn't mean that all the, all the stars, so to speak, have to line up, and you've got all the stuff, and your bills are paid, and, and all of that. That has nothing to do with whether or not you're blessed. It's not dependent upon your circumstances. It's dependent upon your spirit. So if Christ in me, the scripture says, gives me the hope of glory. And so again, being blessed is having the right spirit in you. And so we've been walking through these Beatitudes. And let's jump right in it today. Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. Here's another one. It says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Of God. So, in other words, you are like God when you're a peacemaker. You're just like God when you're a peacemaker. Well, what's a peacemaker? Well, before we can talk about what a peacemaker is, we have to first back up and talk about what peace is. So, what is peace? And it's interesting because do you realize that the Bible begins and ends with peace? And I know I'm a little teachy on you today, but is that okay? If you say it is, say amen. If you say it's not, say amen. There you go. I got you. So the Bible begins and ends with peace. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were there. They had peace with God. They had peace with one another. But then sin came in. And when sin came into the world, conflict came into the world. 
But before all of that, the Bible begins with peace, but it also ends with peace. Because the Bible tells us about a kingdom that is coming where peace is going to rule. This kingdom is described as a lion and a lamb laying down beside one another. So you understand that is a kingdom of peace. God is a God of peace. The Bible says God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. Thank you. Uh, So God is a God of peace. Jesus is the prince of... Okay, so let let me help you out. Okay, so today's message is about peace. So therefore, most of your answers are going to be... Peace, there you go, amen, so we're doing good. (laughs) So God is a God of, Jesus is the prince of, why don't we have peace in the world? If God is a God of peace and Jesus is the prince of peace and came to bring that peace, why don't we have peace in the world? I'll give you two reasons. Number one is because the devil fights it. Number two is because people reject it. The devil fights it and people reject it. And you say, well, I don't, I don't really agree with people rejecting peace. But think about this for a moment. If you reject God, you reject peace. Why? Because there's no peace without God. So you realize that man cannot produce peace, only God can. Because peace comes from God. One person's put it this way. Peace is that glorious moment in history when everybody stops fighting to reload. <laughs> I want you to consider this. In the past 3,500 years, there have been over 14,000 wars. That's over four wars every year. 3.6 billion people have died in war. Over 8,000 peace treaties have been signed, and every one of the peace treaties have been broken. Why? Because man cannot produce peace. So what is peace? Peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace is the presence of righteousness. So I can have turmoil in my life but still have peace. Why? Because I've got Jesus in my heart. And understand, when I say that peace is the presence of righteousness, Jesus is righteousness. There is no righteousness without Jesus. So peace is not the absence of something. It is the presence of someone. And I'm preaching a lot better than you saying amen this morning. Peace is not the absence of something. It is the presence of someone. Jesus, is my heart, in my life, produces peace. So when Jesus comes into a situation, He brings peace into that situation. It doesn't matter if there's a storm in your boat. If Jesus is in the boat, there's peace in your boat. It doesn't matter what's happening all around you. If Jesus is in your heart, there's peace in your heart. So simply put, peace is knowing Jesus. Letting Jesus lead in every area of your life. So if you've got an area of your life that you don't have peace in, you need to get Jesus in that area of your life. If you don't have peace in your marriage, you need to bring righteousness into that marriage. If you don't have peace in your family, you need to bring righteousness into your family. If you don't have peace in your finances, you need to bring righteousness in your finances. And let me just say this. If you don't operate your finances according to God's way, you'll always have war in your finances. You'll always have conflict in your finances. And war and conflict are a result of sin. So we know what peace is. Peace is the presence of Jesus in my heart. So what is a peacemaker? Well, before we talk about what a peacemaker is, let me tell you what a peacemaker is not. Because a lot of times we have a misconception when it comes to what being a peacemaker is. So what is a peacemaker not? Let me give you just a couple things. Number one, avoidance. Avoidance. Pretending that there's no problem. Hoping that it will go away. 
You know, our little son Aiden, he's, he's seven years old, and when he has a bad day at school or whatever, he'll come home, and I'll say, hey, baby, how was school? He'll say, I don't want to talk about it. And so we'll go on a little bit later, and I'm like, hey, man, what's going on at school? How was your day? I don't want to talk about it. And so that's kind of what we do in life oftentimes when something comes up or something happens. We just simply say, I don't want to talk about it. But listen, that's not peace. You're running away from a situation hoping that it's going to resolve itself. Now, I understand that none of us like conflict, but avoiding it only makes it bigger and harder to deal with in the future. So being a peacemaker, it it is not avoidance. But here's the second thing. It's not appeasement. It's not appeasement. It's not always letting somebody else have their way. Letting somebody walk all over you. Passivity is not peacemaking. Jesus was not a pacifist. He knew how to deal with issues and he dealt with the issues that needed to be dealt with in the way they needed to be dealt with. But peace was always his goal. And every now and then I'll I'll read a book on marriage and it talks about if you want a great marriage, the way to a great marriage is to submit to to the stronger person in the marriage if you want to have peace in your home. But listen, that's not peace. Jesus didn't say to be blessed. He didn't say blessed are the peace lovers. He said blessed are the peacemakers. So what is a peacemaker then? A peacemaker is one who invokes righteousness. A peacemaker is one who brings righteousness into a situation. He doesn't call call a truce. Man calls truce. Man says cease fire, but that's not what peace is. Peace is righteousness coming into that situation in your life. So the only way that you can make peace is to bring righteousness into that situation. So let me ask you a question this morning. What area of your life do you not have peace in? Because that's the area of your life you need to bring the righteous standard of God into. Otherwise, you have no peace in your life. So why do I need to be a peacemaker? I mean, why do I have to deal with conflict? If I've got a problem with with this gentleman over here, and I'm sitting here coming in worshiping God, why do I have to deal with that? Why can't I just come in and worship God? Well, there's a couple reasons for that. Number one is because it hinders my fellowship with God. It hinders my fellowship with God. 1 John 4.20 If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. Turn to somebody today. That's a hard scripture right there. That's a hard scripture. So I can't come into God's house and say, Lord, I love you. I worship you. I love you. I just want to be in your presence, but I can't stand that fellow right there. How many of you know you can't do that? You can't do that. So it's hindering your relationship with God. So unresolved conflict in my life is blocking my communication with God. Here's another reason why I just can't let conflict lay around and not deal with it. It's because it hinders my prayers. It hinders my prayers. In the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus was teaching here, and he lays out for us this, this simple statement that reconciliation is a prerequisite to worship. In other words, you can have something against your brother or something against your sister. And if you fail to deal with it, God said, before you come in here, before you worship, before you praise, before you get your dance on, you need to leave the altar and go make it right with that person, then come back. Otherwise, your prayers don't get answered. So you understand we have to be reconciled before we come in and worship. And you understand that there's nothing that you can do that can substitute for you being a peacemaker. 
Not witnessing, not giving, not teaching, not singing. You can speak in tongues till your head turns blue and your lips fall off until you make it right with that brother or sister. God said, don't even try to come in here and worship. Turn to somebody and say, that's tight. So let me ask you a question. Are you having a hard time getting answers to your prayers? Maybe you need to check out your relationships. So if I know what a peacemaker is... And I know why I need to be a peacemaker. Here's the next question for you. How can I be a peacemaker? How can I do that? Let me give you five ways real quick today. The first thing is to plan a peace conference. Plan a peace conference. It doesn't matter if you are the offended or the offender. It is always your move. Turn to somebody and say, it's your move. It's your move. It's always your move. Why? Because peacemakers always take the initiative. Well, you don't understand what they did to me. You don't understand what they've said about me. You don't understand. Why do I need to go to them? Because the longer you delay, the more difficult it is to reconcile. And it is better to resolve a conflict than to dissolve a relationship. So you need to be able to say, okay, let me take the step. Let me take that phone call. Let me write that email. Let me write that letter. Let me take the first step. It's your move. Plan a peace conference. Here's the second reason on how I can be a peacemaker. Number two is I need to empathize with the needs of that person. Empathize with the needs. Think about it like this. When you're upset and you're mad and your face is blood red and you've got that vein right there in the middle of your forehead that's sitting there pulsating, who are you thinking about at that moment? Yourself. Yourself. Peacemakers oftentimes focus on the needs of others. And you're asking yourself, what can I do to help them? What is going on in their life? How are they hurting? Let me ask you this. How many of you are parents of more than one child? Come on, raise your hands in the house. Your parents have more than one child. So you recognize that your, your job most of the time is a referee. Because you're trying to discover who did what to whom all of the time, and nobody's taking credit for it. He hit me. He touched me. He's sitting beside me. He's sitting in my lap all of the time. One of the ways we tried to resolve that early is we said, all right, hey, Caleb, kiss your brother. Ew, I'm not doing that. You know, all of that stuff. But you have a responsibility as a parent when all of that stuff goes on and all of that stuff is happening, you've got to be willing to resolve that conflict in the way that God wants you to resolve it. Have you ever done something and made the wrong decision when it comes to your kids? We have four kids. Somebody say, I'm praying for you, Pastor. We have four kids. And I remember on one specific occasion... We had went out together, we come home, and there was something broke in the house. Nobody owned up to it. It wasn't Missy and I, so it had to be one of the four. So we lined them up, and we said, we're going to break them down. Which one of them did it? And so we interrogated them and interrogated Nobody admitted to nothing. They were tight. I said, so Missy and I walked in the next room. She's like, what do you want to do? I said, let's get them one-on-one, baby. We'll break them down. So we pulled them in one-on-one. It had to be you. Samantha, I knew it was you. I see the look in your eye. And so there come a point where nobody's wanted to admit it. So I started being spiritual. I was like, Lane, the, the Lord has showed me, son, it was you. 
it was you. I know it was you. You don't have to tell me. But the Lord has showed me. I'm the pastor, son. He showed me it was you. And so I went ahead and whooped him in front of everybody. Sent everybody to their room. We were laying in bed just thinking about, I can't believe nobody admitted it. Next thing I know, here comes Caleb crying, walking in the bedroom. It was me. It was me. How many of you know crow does not taste good? I don't care how you cook it. I don't care how you prepare it. It is not good. I had to bring every one of them back together, and I had to apologize to Lane, but I also put the caveat in there to say, Son, I'm going to give you that one, but I know there was somewhere in your life you were good for it. (laughs) Your kids need to see how you resolve conflict. Because when you show that, when you model that, it's helping them to see how to resolve conflict when they get older and get to be adults. You know, one of the values of, of conflict resolution is you begin to understand the person in a, in a greater way. Sometimes it leads to greater intimacy in that person. But if you're not willing to take the first step and make the first move, if you're not willing to empathize with that person's needs and what's going on in their heart and what's going on in their life, then you'll never be a peacemaker. But here's the third thing you got to do. Attack the problem, not the person. Attack the problem, not the person. I'm going to have my wife to come up here and help me. I'm going to demonstrate something real quick. Attack the problem... Not the person. This right here represents a problem in our lives and in our marriage. Here's what we oftentimes do. It's your fault. It's all you. It's going to always be you. It's your fault. And then here she is, and she's saying, you know it's your fault because I'm always right. Because I'm the wife. I'm the woman. I'm always right. So it's your fault. The whole time you're hitting one another, the problem is growing larger and larger and larger in your life to where now all you should be able to see is the problem, but you are dodging the problem, and you're still attacking one another. But what you need to do is put the problem center stage, stand shoulder to shoulder, and attack the problem, not each other. Thank you, sweetheart. That was a pitiful clap, but I'll take it. (laughs) Hear me today. You can't fix the blame and fix the problem at the same time. That was a mic drop moment right there. You can't fix the blame and fix the problem at the same time. Proverbs chapter 15 verse 1 says, A gentle answer, what does it do? It turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. Turn to somebody and say, Engage your mind before you engage your mouth. (laughs) Engage your mind before you engage your mouth. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29, do not let unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up. So when there's a problem that arises in my life, in my marriage, in my home, in my relationships, instead of attacking each other, we need to attack the problem. Here's another way on how you can be a peacemaker. Number four is to cooperate as much as possible. You need to be a bridge builder, not a bridge terror downer, if that's a word. (laughs) 
You need to be a bridge builder, not a bridge tearer downer. Go with the spirit of compromise. Don't go into that thing sitting there thinking of every way you're going to hit that person as soon as they open their mouth. Have you ever met people like that? Don't point at them, even if they're here today. You ever met somebody, you can't get a word in because they are just unloading on you. I told somebody yesterday, we were, we were sitting at the house, and I said, you know, sometimes in my life, uh, especially certain times in my life, I feel like, have you ever seen those paddles, and you got the rubber band with the ball on the end, and you just boom, 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 boom. I said, I feel like the ball when somebody's holding the paddle sometimes. They just boom, 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 boom. And I'm like, eventually your arm's going to get tired and put me down. But that's how oftentimes we do it. But you need to go in with a spirit of compromise. And ask yourself, what can we agree on here? Romans chapter 12, verse 18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with what? With who? Everyone. The hallmark of your maturity as a Christian is your ability to get along with other people. Not how much you pray. Not how much you sing or read the Word or give. I don't want to belittle all of that. That is very important. It's vital to your spiritual growth but how you get along with other people. And you and I both realize there's just some people you can't get along with. Don't point at them. So with that in mind, you need to understand that peace always has a price. It always has a price. You've got to do everything you can to bring peace into your home, into your relationships, and all of that, but it has a price. Peace is going to cost you your ego. Peace is going to cost you your selfishness. Peace is going to cost you your pride. Husbands, you may have to admit that your wife is right all of the time in Jesus' name. And all of the wives in the house said, Amen. Wives, you may have to agree that your husband has a legitimate complaint. One man in the house. (laughs) You may have to look at your children and realize that they're tattling. Maybe there is legitimacy to that. It has a price. Maybe you have to look at your parents and say, you know what, you're not really an airhead like I thought you were. You've got to give up your pride. You've got to give up your ego. That is the price for being a peacemaker. John chapter 13, verse 35. By this, what is he talking about? He's talking about love. By this, by the way you love, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This isn't the kind of love where I'm loving you from an arm distance. This is the kind of love. This is agape love. This is the strongest version of love in all of the scripture. This is I love you in spite of you. I love you. You're welcome here. Someone said this, the most three difficult words in the English language is I was wrong. The most two difficult words in the English language is I'm sorry. The five most difficult words is, I'm sorry I was wrong. Some of you will get that later. There was a movie that came out one time. I think there was even a book written about it. And, and, and the author said this, love means never having to say you're sorry. I mean, even though that is wrong on so many levels. Because if you love someone, you have to be willing to say, I'm sorry. I was wrong. 
Because in relationships, you're going to hurt people. You're going to hurt people accidentally. You're going to hurt people intentionally sometimes. But then sometimes you're going to be the one that gets hurt. The attacks are going to come at you. But you have to ask yourself, what is more important here, being right or being together? Well, Pastor, you don't understand. There's a principle involved in all of this. Yeah, maybe, but you're overlooking an even greater principle. James chapter 3, verse 18, Those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. So what's he saying here? You get what you give. You reap what you sow. So if you want to have people cooperating with you, what do you have to be? A cooperative person. If you want to have people being nice to you, what do you have to do? You've got to be nice to people. You can't just walk around planting seeds of griping and gossiping and hassling and putting people down in your life because guess what you're going to reap? Conflict. Conflict. So whatever seeds you plant, that's what's going to grow in your life. So if you start planting seeds of compromise and concern and compassion, that's what you're going to reap. And then this, the last one, number five, let me give you this one. How can I be a peacemaker? Emphasize reconciliation, not resolution. And you understand there is a big difference between the two. There's a big difference between the two. To reconcile is to reestablish a relationship. And it doesn't mean that you're going to resolve all of your problems because, again, oftentimes there are legitimate differences between two people who have a relationship. I mean, after all, we are all different. Some people are decisive. Some people take their time deciding. Some people are talkative. Some people are quiet. Some people are sensitive. Some people, you can't knock them over with a bulldozer. That's just the way they are. There are honest differences between us, but reconciliation means you bury the hatchet and not in each other. Doesn't necessarily mean you resolve the issues. You can keep talking about the issues, but you do it in an agreeable fashion. So what am I saying here? Relationships are not based on uniformity. We're all different. God intended it that way. Misty and I are really different. We are. She is a detailed person. I'm a big picture guy. I look at the big picture. I am, I'm the visionary. I look at things I see so far ahead, and she's all about the details. She's a perfectionist. I'm laid back. When we got married, she took all of my single furniture and threw it in the dump. I couldn't help that one of my legs on, the, on, my, on my dinner table had broken, so I had books up under it. It propped the leg up. It made the table work. I couldn't help. I had duct tape on my couch arm because it, it kind of leaned a little bit. It didn't matter. To me, it still sat. To me, the table still ate. It was good. Nothing wrong with that. But Misty won't have any of that. How many of you feel my pain as men in the house today? Thank you for being honest. Amen. Thank you. The point is, we are totally different. But what gives us a dynamite marriage is that she is strong in the areas where I'm weak. And when she's falling all to pieces, just because the floor isn't swept, I can go hug her and say, baby, we've got four mates in the house. Let them handle it. So it's good. We just compliment one another, and it's a good thing. Listen to me. Hear this. You can walk arm in arm without seeing eye to eye. 
You can have reconciliation without resolution to every problem. Reconciliation focuses on the relationship. Resolution focuses on the problem. There is a time to focus on the problem, but you need to be reconciled before you deal with the problem. And I'm not suggesting that you ignore the problem, but you need to work on reconciliation first, and then together you work on dealing with the problem. I mean, listen, guys, we live together. We work together. We worship together. We, we're in the same family. Whatever the relationship is, we're on the same team. Let's stop working against each other. No amens there. When you focus on the relationship and not the problem, Oftentimes, the problem begins to get insignificant. Churches don't split over doctrine and theology. They split over who's right. They split over focusing on the problem rather than on the reconciliation. Marriages, brother-sister relationship, friend relationship, co-worker relationship, parent-child relationship, whatever the relationship is, when you start focus on reconciling the relationship, one or two things happens. Number one, the issue oftentimes starts to resolve itself. Or number two, the issue becomes immaterial. It's not a big deal anymore. Are you guys getting anything out of this today? Because you're looking at me with that, oh my God, why did I come in here today? 2 Corinthians 5.18 God has reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. God models what He wants us to do. You know, I was thinking about this. Another name for peacemaker would be a reconciler. That's really another name for peacemaker. One who brings people together. God was the original peacemaker. Jesus is the prince of peace. And so God is asking us to be like Him. Hear me today. When you help bring people together who have been estranged, you are more like Christ than you can ever be. It's the ministry of reconciliation. And when God sees us doing that, He looks down from heaven and He says, Man, that's my son. That's my daughter. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. Because we're doing exactly what God would do Himself if He was in that situation. We're bringing harmony where there's discord. We're bringing unity where there is conflict. And so if you want to be a peacemaker, you have all of these lined up in your life. But then here comes another question. Who can be a peacemaker? Anybody can. Turn to somebody and say, you can. Anybody can be a peacemaker, but you first have to have the prince of peace inside of you. Why? Because you can only give what has been given to you. You can't bring peace if you don't have it. You can't give away what you don't have. If, so, so if you are to look to God for peace, then He can put peace in your heart and in your life. Some of you right now, you don't realize it, but you have been in relationship after relationship after relationship after relationship. And it's everybody else's fault. Well, Pastor, I don't understand. I was friends with them. I was friends with him. I was friends with that one. I was friends with that one over there. And none of it worked. And sometimes I look at him and say, Honey, what's the common denominator? You! Instead of pointing the finger, pull the thumb every once in a while. Turn to somebody and say, That is tight. 
Here's what we do. A lot of times we're looking for someone to fill a hole that only God can. So I'm looking to you to give me something that only God can give me. And when you disappoint me, I get mad with you and I walk away from you. I don't need to be looking to you to fill the void that's in me. I need to be looking to God because He's the Prince of Peace. God is the true source of peace and it only comes when I look to Him through Christ Jesus. So how do I find the missing peace in my life? P-E-A-C-E. How do I find that peace in my life? I have to recognize that God's peace is what I'm looking for, nothing else. And I have to ask Christ to come into my life and put the spirit of peace in charge of my life. In the book of John, Jesus says, My peace I give to you. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. I put this in your notes today. It says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. I love that word rule there because that word rule is the same word as umpire. It's umpire. Someone who calls the shots. Someone who keeps the game going. Let the peace of God umpire in your life. And when you have peace with God, you get the peace of God. And when you have the peace of God, you have peace with other people. So peace with God, peace of God, peace with others. And some of you may have tried a lot of things. You may have gone down different roads in your life and none of them have met the need inside of you because you have a vacuum inside of you that only God can feel. He is the missing P-E-A-C-E in your life. I meet a lot of people who think they have peace with God, but really all they have is a ceasefire. You know, there's a difference. God, you stay on your side, I'm going to stay on my side. You don't bother me, I won't bother you. But the Bible says until you invite Christ into your heart, until you give Him control of your life, you are at war with God. Because you're trying to be your own boss. You're trying to do your own thing. But it is only as you commit yourself to Him and give Him complete control of your life that you find peace. And only when you do that. And most of you have already made that decision today. You've already established that relationship with God. And if that's you, then my question to you today is simply this. What do you want to be remembered for? What do you want written on your tombstone? Peacemaker or troublemaker? What do you want to be remembered for on your job? What do you want to be remembered for uh, in your community? Peacemaker? Troublemaker? Which one? St. Francis of Assisi used to pray this, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hostility, let me bring peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, let me give pardon. Where there is despair, let me bring hope. Every time you tell somebody about Jesus Christ, every time you approach conflict with the goal of reconciliation, every time you look at your neighbor and say, God has a plan for your life. He has not given up on you, so you don't give up on you. You are being a peacemaker. You are bringing the peace of God into that situation every time. Every time. So let me give you a little homework today. I haven't given you guys homework through this whole series. But I'm going to give you some homework today. 
Who do you need to go home and call up? Just kind of let that hang for a minute. I wish you guys could just come up here one time and see what I see. It would be so awesome. Who do you need to text? Who do you need to send that email to? It's your move. You're the peacemaker. Well, Pastor, you don't understand what they've done to me and what they've said about me and how they've lied about me. Trust me, I know. Happens to me all the time. But it's your move. It's your move. I've shot people texts before who have been so nasty to me and I've shot them some texts and said, you know what, hey, I, I have obviously offended you and I'm sorry. Would you please forgive me? I never got a response. I guarantee you had I started drawing them up, oh, I'd have got a whole lot of response. Social media would have went crazy. But I'm okay with that. Because I made the move. What do you do when you make the first move and it doesn't go your way? What do you do when you make the first move and you make that phone call and, and, and you do all of that and, and, and it just doesn't work out? It, it doesn't go your way. What do you do in that situation? The Bible says, do everything you can to bring peace into that situation. That's your job. You do everything you can and let the rest of it fall on God's shoulders. But you do your part. You do your part. We're called to be peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. Remember I told you earlier in the message that if you want to be a peacemaker, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you your pride. It's going to cost you that ego. It's going to cost you that selfishness. Well, I'm right. I know I'm right. Well, you may be right. But isn't it better to keep the relationship cordial? You ever been at conflict with someone and you just happened to fall up into a store where they were at? That awkward feeling. Come on, is anybody? Come on, just tell me you know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all just so holy, you just float on clouds. You just pop up in the store and there they are. You're in Walmart and you're getting your groceries. You look up and there they are and you run to the bathroom even though you don't have a bathroom pain. That awkward moment. When you make the first move, there is no awkwardness with you. Because you are the peacemaker. You tried to resolve it. And you know what? There have been times in all of our lives where I said, man, I'm sorry. I've offended you. And that person come back and said, you know what? I forgive you. And the relationship is immediately restored. And it's an awesome thing. It's an awesome thing. But we're called to be peacemakers, guys. In our home, there are times when I know Misty is right about something. I just ain't willing to give in right yet. 
Samantha, you know, graduated about a month ago, and we had her a little party yesterday, and Missy was like, where are we going to park everybody? I said, I, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big picture guy. I just, I see the hog, man. There it is. We got it. It's, I don't know. She said, well, how about we park them like this, and we let them go around? I'm like, yeah, that ain't going to work. Well, yesterday, I started pulling them in to go around the house, and she was like, oh, oh. You're doing it my way. I said, baby, I... luckily, Pastor Ricky was there to help me. He said, now, sister, sometimes for us men, we have to process things. Stand with me all over the house. Look at me real quick. It's your move. It's your move. You are the peacemaker. I don't care what they've done, what they've said. I'm, I'm not saying you got to go and, you know, be buddy-buddy. And I, I'm not saying that. But, but I am saying as, as God's children, it's our move got to be first in this thing. I want you to bow your heads for a minute and I want you to think about right now some of you already know there's, there's a name, there may be more than one name popping in your mind right now, there may be faces some of you are going back to the hatchet statement I made, leave that statement alone who do you need to forgive? Who do you need to send that text to? Who do you need to send that email to? Who do you need to call up and say, hey, can, can we just get together? I just, man, I know, I, obviously I've hurt you. I just, man, could you forgive me? Father, we live in this thing called life. And oftentimes we, we hurt people. A lot of times we do it unintentionally. And God, sometimes because of our, our sin and because of our flesh, we, we even do it intentional sometimes. But God, we ask you to forgive us and create in us a clean heart and renew us a right spirit. But, but God, we know what we've got to do. We've got to be the peacemaker. We've got to make the first move. We've got to go out there and at least try everything we can to, to make it right. And Lord, if it doesn't work, then that's fine. But at least we've tried. At least we've, we've truly given it a shot. And so God, we just open our hearts to you. And Father, I pray that you would help us. Help us, God, even going forward in life. Help us to always be the peacemaker because there's going to be times, Lord, e even from this day forward, there's going to be times where, where, where we may be upset about something. We, we, we may get hurt by somebody or at the end of the day, we may even do the hurting. But God, in those moments, help us to grab hold of, of this message and help us to grab hold of, of your word and maybe hide it in our heart to say, blessed are the peacemakers. It's our move, Lord. Help us to make it. 
Help us to make it with, with faith. Help us to make it with love and compassion and consideration. Help us to make it, Father. Because we love you. And we honor you. And at the end of the day, God, that's really all that matters. At the end of the day, having you to look at us and say, that's my son, that's my daughter, to me that means everything. God, I love you. And I pray for my brothers and sisters all over the house today. And Lord, I just ask that you would speak into their hearts, that you would draw them closer to you. Lord, help us to be peacemakers. Help us to be peacemakers. Now, with your head bowed, let me just speak to your heart just for a moment. Maybe you're in here today. And you say, you know what, Pastor, I want to be a peacemaker. I'm tired of being at odds with so many different people. I'm tired of going through the motions in life. I want to be a peacemaker. Can I tell you the first thing that you have to do is you have to accept the Prince of Peace into your heart. You have to bring Jesus into that situation. Remember, Jesus is the peace. Being a peacemaker is bringing the right standard of God into your life. And so for some of you, maybe that's your first step. To say, Jesus, I want you. I want you in my heart. I want you in my life. I'm tired of doing this without you. So if that describes you right now, would you just be willing to just raise a hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I want to accept him into my heart today. Seize the hand. I want to accept Him. That's my first step. I want to accept Him. Now look at me. You know, here in the South, we have things called buffets. It's biblical. The Bible says I buffet my body. I got scripture for grandsons in Jesus' name. And Sam is laughing because he knows it's there. The great thing about a buffet is they have what they call heat lamps. So when that food starts getting a little on the lukewarm side, they go stir that stuff up. That heat lamp gets turned up a notch and your food is still warm. Where am I going with this? Let's don't be in a rush for these next few moments. If you've got somewhere to go, I totally understand. But, but let's give God a little time today. Because in the house, we had someone that said, Hey, I want to make a decision for Christ. I want to do it. I want to go all in. And we take that serious around here. Because at the end of the day, that is what it's all about. Is bringing the Prince of Peace into our hearts and into our lives. So here's what I want to do. We're not here to embarrass anybody at all. I want to open this altar up. And I just want you to come and just stand and let's pray. And if you raise your hand to accept Christ, you know what? I want you to come up here too. So come on. So come on. Somebody step out. You know, it always takes that first person step. And come on, step out. I just want, to, I just want you down here. I want to pray with you. I want to love on you. I'm going to tell you how proud I am of you making that stand. Proud of you. I'm going to tell you how much I love you guys. And what an honor it is to be able to stand before you Sunday after Sunday. What an honor it is to be able to see you at the store or in Walmart or in the community and 
and know that I don't have to duck you because I love you. Some of y'all duck me. I don't understand that. Come back next week. We're going to talk about persecution in Jesus' name. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for you. If you don't show up, I preach to an empty room. And I know sometimes in July, it's like, well, it's kind of empty anyway. Because <laughs> everybody's on vacation. I love you. I mean that with all of my heart. Many of you, you're, you're here. And Thomas, you guys are here. Your team. I don't know, 7.30, 8 o'clock in the morning. I mean, they, they're here. And they're, and they're getting ready. We have crew members coming in. We, we call our volunteers around here. We, just, we call them crew members. You're coming in before anybody gets here. And you're setting up. You're making sure the seats are right. You're making sure the material is right. Kids are, their, their, their area is getting right. The nursery's getting right. The parking lot, the front door. So much goes into a Sunday service. And you help us with that. And I thank you. And can I tell you the reason why we do what we do is so somebody could come to Jesus and accept Him into their heart. Won't you bow your head? We pray this as a family. You say, Pastor, I want to accept Him today. I need Him in my heart. I'm tired of doing life without Him. Just repeat, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. And Father, I believe that you died on the cross and you rose the third day. And Lord, I ask you now to forgive me of my sins, create in me a clean heart, renew in me a right spirit. And Father, use me. Help me to be a peacemaker. In Jesus' name. Come on, everybody all over the house, give God a big hand clap of praise. Can I get some ladies around me? Some, some God-fearing ladies, all of you ladies are. I'm going to pray for my precious sister here. What's your name? Chastity. It's a beautiful name. It's Chastity.